Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome today, and thank you for tuning in. We have now a second part to our siblings and adoption, where today we're going to be discussing with our guest, Dr. Marlou Russell, Ph.D., about siblings, grandparents, and adoption, and a little bit about the dynamics um, are surrounding those relationships, too. So a very important topic for many people. We'd like to invite you also to visit our website, letstalkadoption.com, where you can learn more about adoption, listen to past shows on many topics. And we do have copies of previous um, shows and topics available for purchase. And this does help our, keep our show on the air, so we appreciate your support. Now, if you have questions regarding adoption, you can email me, and I'll answer these questions and incorporate them into different shows. And many times this is how we find out what topics you're interested in. So email me at info at letstalkadoption.com, and we'll take those calls and uh, emails and, and incorporate those into the show. So today, our second part, uh, welcome back to the show, Dr. Uh, Russell. I appreciate Thank you being you. back here with us. Thank you. And I need to go ahead and ask you a couple questions from last week. We discussed so much about um, the um, the topics of siblings and adoption, whether it's a birth family, adoptive family. Um, I need to find out a little bit more about, you know, we talked last week about how the importance of having siblings in the adoption, uh, you know, how important they are and when we should tell the children they are adopted, um, you know, they have siblings in the family, and about birth mothers, how they can share with other children in their family. So we covered quite a bit last week. Today I want to discuss the guidelines for placing sibling groups. And this is really important because we have more and more children in foster care, hundreds of thousands of children in foster care. And um, many times we will hear about children that are separated in foster care and they're adopted into different families. Share with me a little bit about what you've, you've experienced in your practice. Well, what I have seen is that there's really such a connection between siblings, especially siblings who have gone through a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And any kid who's going to be moved into a foster care situation has obviously been through trauma, mm-hmm. and they've typically been through the traumatic situation with their siblings. And so to then separate mm-hmm. siblings after they've gone through something together and perhaps feel like they're the only ones that they have that they can mm-hmm. hang on to, um, it just breaks my heart to think that siblings would then get separated. Uh, it's, it's very difficult for me to hear that, and I know that sometimes they hear there are large groups or there might have been some abuse. That the, some children are being um, um, hurt by maybe one of the other siblings. So it's right. a very difficult decision, but I know that many times um, my belief is that we try to keep siblings together whenever possible right. um, because I think there is a bond there and they need each other. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's just tearing apart of, of the situation. You know, we have to encourage families to look at sibling groups and be educated on how to parent um, sibling groups uh, in situations like that. So the guidelines you have for placing siblings, any other tips that you have for professionals that are listening or adoptive parents? Well, I think that if you have to separate sibling groups, um, it's very important, extremely important to find some way that those siblings can stay in contact with each other, um, whether it's a phone call, whether it's email, whether it's visits, um, whatever it might be, because um someone is going to feel left out. Right, exactly. And if you can keep those communication channels open, it's going to be helpful for everyone. Therefore, it's going to be 
uh, happier adoptive or foster care family, and everyone's just going to do much better if there's the option of staying in contact. Yeah, and I think that's important because what ends up happening many times is we have, um, we, if you don't ask questions, sometimes you don't get that information. Right. And I find that uh, many times there are siblings or even siblings that come along after the placement of the child mm-hmm. so that they may not even be aware of it, uh, be aware of this, uh, this, uh, this birth that happened after they, they had gone into an adoptive family home. What happens in situations like that? Where can kids go? Um, how can people find out about that? Well, um, it's important that people stay in contact with whoever is doing the placement, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a social worker, the agency, um, the professional, so that the communication can stay open. Sometimes um, not everyone stays in communication. And um, if that's the case, then if there's somebody, a facilitator, that can kind of be the contact person, Mm then that's helpful. I think so, too. And now with the Internet and email, there are so many ways that they can stay in contact. It really would be very helpful to be able to share all that because I really think that if we can be um, as, uh, you know, mainstream family as possible, it really takes the focus off being adopted. Right. And I feel that really helps the children just, just, um, you know, blend in. And we have so many blended families anyway Mm -hmm. that this isn't. But you're right when you talk about children early in, in life because I know that even with my children they go to school and they're going to do a family tree right. and they come back and they kind of scratch their head and say what do I put here right and and so you say how far do you go back and their tree looks like a you know huge branch that goes off in one area and then not mm-hmm. too much on the other side and it can be very confusing um, for some children right any suggestions you have for parents facing I know a children when they get into fourth fifth grade and they're starting to do this family tree well I think that it's very important for adoptive parents to help teachers Mm -hmm. because a lot of teachers don't know, just like a lot of therapists don't know about adoption issues. And so if the adoptive parent can go into the teacher and just say, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware, but my child is adopted or Mm -hmm. um, actually better than that is I'm not sure if you're aware that we're an adoptive family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there might be some assignments that my child will need some you know, extra help with, and I'm glad to help my child with that, but I just wanted to let you know um, about our family so that uh, you wouldn't mind if we do the family tree assignment in a way that works for our family, Mm -hmm. you know, which would mean that uh, you have to really create your own family tree so that there's plenty of room for everybody Mm -hmm. or situate it in a way so that the adopted child feels like they're in the center, and then these other supportive people are around them. Right, and not so. And this is really difficult when a child is uh, adopted um, from another country. Right, mm-hmm. and that right. They, they really don't have very much information. That can be some. That's another show altogether. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is can be difficult. If an adopted family finds out that there are biological siblings um, of their child available for adoption, should they also consider adopting that child? Well, I think that a lot of adoptive families do feel that they have to address the question of should we adopt the sibling of our child. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's, it depends on the family, it depends on the situation, but there's kind of a um, feeling like it would be best for the child, Mm -hmm. for both of those children. And I think what's crucial is for adoptive parents to really think about where their family is at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, They can afford it if they have an emotional 
you know, wherewithal to handle another child at that time. Exactly. So even though it seems like, ah, this would be perfect, this would be wonderful, we should do it, um, I love that they want to do it, but they really need to think about how will that make our family different, Mm -hmm. and are we able to handle the -hmm. changes that it would involve, and to really think about that and to spend some time thinking about it. I think it's important. I know that I've seen um, in the last few years a trend is that a birth mom would get pregnant again and then call the family and say, I'm pregnant, would you adopt a sibling? Yes. And we've seen some situations where families said, I, we just can't do it. But they stay in contact with the family that does. Yes, and yeah. I think that that is a, a very good situation. Mm-hmm. And so they really have a, a larger extended family, but the children have an opportunity to still stay in contact and, and send cards and gifts and later on, um, either IMing each other and uh, sharing right. uh, websites and things like this, um, as any family would. And I think that's really important. And again, it's coming back to that educational piece mm-hmm. uh, that people that there are options on this, so that they're not losing. It. And the birth mom doesn't feel rejected. I feel that right. many times that they feel rejected. You know, and that gets us a little bit into um, non-adopted siblings. How do they fit in? Because here you've got maybe secondary infertility mm-hmm. and um, uh, how do they fit into this whole relationship? Yes, non-adopted siblings um, can find themselves in sort of an interesting situation in terms of, okay, all this attention is being put on the uh, sibling that was adopted, but what about me? Mm-hmm. And that can happen if you're the non-adopted sibling who stays in the birth family mm-hmm. or a non-adopted sibling who is in the adoptive family. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that... You know, what what I've seen that's been kind of an interesting um, way of handling that is I've seen some non-adoptive siblings sort of join in Mm -hmm. and um, say their sibling um, wants to search for a birth family Mm -hmm. or wants to have more contact with the birth family, then the non-adoptive sibling will really help the adopted sibling and... um, join in with them right? in terms of their quest and their journey and, mm-hmm. and what they're wanting to do. And become part of that whole, um, you know, process, too, which brings them really a lot more bonding, too. Right. You know, there are organizations that focus on siblings who have been separated by adoption or foster care. Can you share with us where those organizations are and how people listening can find out about them? Well, there's a wonderful camp that's called Camp to Belong, mm. which is in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And what they do is every summer they open the camp up to siblings who are not raised together, Mm -hmm. Um, siblings who have been in foster care or um, adopted into separate families. And I really like the way that it started. The two people who started it are sisters who were raised separately in Mm. different foster homes. And they felt so strongly about the bond that they have between them that they felt that other kids who were raised in foster homes would also feel that bond and would also appreciate having an opportunity to be together and to share some time together, especially some fun time together. And I think that's very important, too. We're going to take a quick break here. and we come back, we're going to share more about, in the second part, uh, adoption, sibling, and we're going to talk about grandparents and the importance of grandparents, biological, adopted. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back at this quick break. On my 18th birthday, I made a decision that would affect me forever. I chose life for my baby. 
I wasn't ready to be a mom or even to change my dreams of being a singer. Many of my friends offered to help me end my pregnancy. But then I learned about another option that provides a beautiful life for my baby, adoption. I was able to choose my son's parents and even meet them at the hospital. They love him so much and he's an answer to their prayers. I get emails and pictures from them. I even travel to visit my son each year. He has wonderful parents, an awesome life and a solid future, everything I wanted for him. And now, I've even moved to Nashville to follow my dreams. I chose life, I chose adoption. Open adoption means you make the choices. Choose the adoptive family, how much contact you want, and how you want the adoption to happen. To learn more about adoption, call 1-800-923-6784 or visit lifetimeadoption.com. You can speak with a compassionate counselor confidentially 24 hours a day. Call Lifetime at 1-800-923-6784. Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell on KFIA 710 AM. If you just joined the program today, we are sharing with you a two-part series um, on adoption in siblings, and we're going to be talking about grandparents and their role also. Uh, Our guest today on the show is Dr. Marlou Russell, Ph.D. She has a practice in Santa Monica, California, and uh, she has written many articles on adoption, and she's also the author of Adoption Wisdom, A Guide to Issues and Feelings on Adoption. Uh, she's also an adoptee in reunion with her birth family, so she has lots of experience. And um, before we left uh, on break, we were discussing a little bit about um, this wonderful camp for kids, um, Dr. Russell, in Colorado, a camp to belong um, that really focuses on the siblings who have been separated in adoption or in foster care. And um, I'm sure that people wanted to get information they could look for Camp to Belong on the Internet then. Right. It's on the web. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that would be easy, too. Mm-hmm. Let's go and move a little bit differently here, too. Um, you know, what do we see down the line for siblings who are raised apart? I mean, do you see this as something that's going to be a, a major issue later on, or, or is this something that we, we see a trend in with more and more of them coming together? Yes, I think that um, more and more we'll see that the importance of the sibling bonds and relationships, and I think that we will give more attention to that relationship that siblings have, whether they are raised together or not, mm-hmm. and we'll respect that more. And so I think that down the line we'll see that siblings are going to be more involved in adoption and in the communication, not just birth parents. Mm-hmm. I um, think I think you're absolutely right, and I believe that. I just know with our children, they're on the Internet. My daughter uh, did some research the other day online, and she pulled up some information about me and said, Mom, look at all the stuff I found about you. <laughs> And where I lived and my age mm-hmm. and where I was born. And I thought, wow, they really know how, I mean, at, at 12 and 13 years old, they right. know how to get on there and find the information. And they're going to find out about siblings. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I think it's important to have that honesty and let them do it because they have it built into them, a hard drive mm-hmm. already. And yes. uh, it's going to help you all think in your relationship. Let's talk about grandparents because okay. it comes right along there. Right. You know, um, we have a situation that comes up quite often where we're having more grandparents that want to be involved in the child's life. Mm-hmm. Birth family, birth mother, birth father are not ready to have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen and how you feel about that. Well, I think that any birth family member that wants to be involved, that, of course, is, you know, safe in a, a good person to have involved in the life of, for the adoptee is fine. Um, I think a lot of times what happens is that the birth mother and the birth father, because they don't feel that they're able to raise their child, and then 
they just feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. by everything that's going on, sometimes they do back off. Sometimes they do back away, and they can't really be as active as um, they want to be or other people want them to be. Mm-hmm. And so if birth grandparents and other relatives from the birth family can come forward and participate and be part of that communication and part of that extended family for the adoptee, Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. I think it's important, too. I know that uh, in our own family, too, we have, um, in in one of our children, we have a lot more contact with birth family, uh, grandparents, and then we do in the other side. And Mm -hmm. it sometimes can be hard for the child that doesn't have that. That doesn't have as much contact. Right. Right. And we were very very blessed that one of our um, children, their family, um, biological family, has a lot of contact, but includes the other child mm-hmm. in the family with gifts and cards and and, uh, and updates, and that's really important. But a lot of people forget about that, right? And I know that our one child that, that doesn't have as much contact that was an issue for a while because it was like, gosh, you know, my siblings always getting the attention, mm. <laughs> and so I think it's important for you know the um, families, the the biological families, to be aware of that too. That um, especially if the gifts are elaborate. Right. Um, that they um, somehow acknowledge uh, through something small for the other siblings if, if they can. Um, because that is that's something kids do compare, you know. Right. And why don't I have this kind of contact? Or if they don't know where their siblings are, what happens mm-hmm. in that situation? You know, what do you recommend? Yeah, when there is a disparity between um, two children in an adoptive family in terms of their contact with their birth family, I think that sometimes the adoptive families, adoptive parents can just sort of let the birth family members know who are in contact that they do appreciate their contact and that, um, you know, if they want to include the other sibling, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it would be wonderful. Because I think actually sometimes, especially in the beginning, um, some birth grandparents of the one sibling might not know that it's okay mm-hmm. to share the wealth with um, the other sibling and include them. So I think that if adoptive parents can, again, be inclusive with everyone mm-hmm. and then find things that people can do, that the family can do or segments of the family can do that um, is easy to do together, whether you go bowling, whether you go to the park, whether you go out to breakfast, mm-hmm. so that... Um, the adopted child who isn't having as much contact with their own birth family will have some contact with a birth family. Right. And, um, you know, just kind of have a piece of that in their life. I think, and I think that's really important, too. And I found, too, is that if the children also, if they see you as example, I know that when I am meeting with birth families, uh, if I know there's other children in the family, I will take a small gift for those children, too, mm. so that they feel, you know, that especially at a birth, Right. You know, uh, you're there and the baby's getting all the attention, but you have a sibling there and no one really is focusing on that sibling. It can be really difficult for a little one. Right. Uh, a little stuffed animal, a little toy that's not a noisemaker, but uh-huh. uh, something like that to start out with and kind of develop that relationship, including, um, you know, I think if allowed by law, uh, a gift for the birth family or birth grandparents, just, just you know, it's a it's a hospitality type thing. Right. Uh, I don't think it it needs to be elaborate. It's just a hospitality. Even Mm -hmm. if you can only do a card by state law, Mm -hmm. something to say, thank you. You're very special. I want to stay in contact with you. And, um, you know, from your heart, I think those are things that are important. um, Don't you? 
Absolutely. I think that um, graciousness is always important and always um, acceptable <laughs> Yes. and in good taste. And, you know, you're really modeling um, consideration for other people. And I think that that's what the world of adoption needs. You know, what what do we all need here versus factioning off into, um, you know, separate camps, so to speak, right. just really looking at how we're all in this together and, and what does everybody need? Right. You know, and this brings me up to another thing is what happens when you have um, families that are raised in different types of families, different cultures? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do things differently than you are used to. Um, and, uh, you know, this really comes back to um, having some tolerance, too, because maybe there are different cultures. And mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about what you can recommend to people when siblings are being raised in different families with different cultures, uh, maybe one family has a deep faith and the other does not. Mm-hmm. What can you recommend? Well, I think it really is about um, teaching tolerance and acceptance of everybody's way. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's big and small ways that you can do that, whether mm-hmm. it's um, when your child is going to school, they're going to find people that do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is having the phraseology so mm-hmm. that you know how to talk to your children about mm-hmm. differences. Mm-hmm. If, um, you know, when, if your kid comes home and says, well, you know, um, in my birth family, they do X. Mm-hmm. How come we don't do X? Mm-hmm. And you can say, well, some f- different families choose to do different things. In our family, we do Y. And mm-hmm. in the birth family, they do X. Right. Well, I want to do X. Well, let's, hmm, let's see if we can do a little bit of X. Mm-hmm. What part of X would you like to do? Mm-hmm. Right, you know. and, and that's hard when even children are allowed to watch movies that may be rated, and, and a right. family says, no, we can't do that. Just like friends coming over, mm-hmm. you know, um, my family doesn't allow me to do this in my family, but when I go to Bobby's house, I'm able to, to do X, like you said. So um, it, I guess just really good communication, too. Right. It's actually just an extension of good parenting, which mm-hmm. is um, you say, I, I hear what you're saying, and different families do different things. In our family, we do this. Mm-hmm. In our family, we only look at G movies. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, I, and, and, and I think, actually, um, a lot of kids really do want their parents to have those limits, mm-hmm. no matter how they react to them. Right. I think boundaries, too. And they may act like they don't, but they really do appreciate that. And I've yes. seen the testing, too. Right. One last question we have. How can adoptive parents encourage sibling relationships? Well, I think the first order of business with that is to let siblings know that there are siblings Mm -hmm. and um, to really, if the adoptive parents and the birth parents feel that it's okay for the siblings to know each other, then that will trickle down to the kids. And then if the children are able to have contact, whether it's actual contact or writing letters that are put in a special box, then that's encouraging and respecting a relationship that, frankly, is already there. Right, yeah, and I think that's um, that's a good start. And, again, it sounds like everything we've talked about is just good, honest communication, right? which is important, too. If people like to purchase your book or um, get in contact with you, um, Dr. Russell, how would they go about doing that? Well, people can always get my book at Amazon.com okay. and some of the other Internet bookstores. Okay. And it is in a lot of libraries and bookstores. 
And they can also visit my website, which is www.marlurussellphd.com. Okay. Well, I appreciate that very much, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today on Let's Talk Adoption. Thank you. Nice talking with you, Marty. Nice talking to you, too. Well, it's been a pleasure having all of you join us for the last two weeks when we've had this show. I'd like to encourage you to come back next week. Until next week, this is Marty Caldwell. Have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.